Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. Let's ferment some beer in the correct way. That's what fermentation sounds like. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I know. That is, there are people everywhere like ripping out. Wait, wait, this is 74 degrees. (laughs) This is 68 degrees. (laughs) And this is a lager. what <laughs> you never listen to your fermentation yes i do i just do don't. you because <laughs> i i don't know i think i nailed it for a good <laughs> actually i kind of lie because at pilot we use high pressure lager yeast so it's like <laughs> that's what it sounds like it's really loud in the brewery sometimes yeah with natural fermentation noises <laughs> <laughs> now with natural fermentation. <laughs> All right. So last time we shot some troubles that had to do with milling, shot some troubles, mashing, um, boiling, uh, coworkers. Co-worker. And God, the, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you had a troubleshoot. <laughs> just get rid of half them coworkers. Yeah. That's true. God, coworkers. I just kidding. I, I, I've, I've had the best coworkers uh, <laughs> ever. Yeah, Shout we, out you know, to all, all the coworkers. Um, uh, this is fucking bosses. I can't stand, but the coworkers. Yeah, I'm just that's, kidding. That's why you best example. Shout out Chad Henderson. He's amazing. He's a leader and a friend, and it's not easy to do that. That's true. Congratulations, Chad. You got a shout out from me. The, the Rachel stamp of approval. Whoa, that is not easy to get. That's and if you've ever worked with me, yeah. you know I am a bitch. I Again, am from last episode, fur coat, big sunglasses. Yeah, just metaphorically though. I'm not. I'm I'll not take a, it metaphorically. I'm actually not allowed to look Rachel in the eyes. Nobody is. She's that's, looking at the floor right that's now. That's on her. Yeah, that's on her. She writer. actually is turned around. Her back is <laughs> face. Yeah, Rachel me. won't even let me. She's in the Morning. corner. She's got a dunce hat. Dunce? 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 You're a dunce. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So, um, no. Fermentation. We haven't been drinking, but we are in our second hour of recording this for the second time. Yeah. Um, and I think we're, we're both. We should be better at it. Yeah. Well, and neither one of us this time is another early morning recording. We're not hungover. Nope. And we're well caffeinated. Yeah, I'm out. I'm almost out of coffee. And. Uh, we are ready to troubleshoot some fermentation. So one of the things we had mentioned in the last episode is how much the quality of ingredients for home brewers especially, but also pro brewers, has improved. And, I, you know, I've talked to people who homebrewed in, you know, like in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And they would get, like, the hops came in, like, pink. Yeah. Like, weird. The, like, you the didn't know what um, it was. plugs. Yes. Like plugs and like all, like, like it looked like probably you got weed from Columbia. Right. And like whole form. Right. You're like, can't you even process this for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, and then you get like the you you didn't get malt. I mean, you had you had like LME, so you have yeah. good malt extract. You didn't know how long it had been in the can. Yeah. Um, and I I mean I remember reading books about people who would like send a facsimile because it was back in the day before they even shortened it to fax. They would send a facsimile. I had no idea what you were talking about when you said facsimile. <laughs> Until you said facts, I swear. Uh, I'll add that. I'll add that to her uh, terms sheet. <laughs> I think that's just a generation thing. But yeah. I'm just kidding. I make a lot of old jokes. We're only like five years apart. <laughs> yeah, some of us you can tell because we're just more mature. But some. <laughs> but they would have to send like a fax to Germany to like yeah. send away mail order to get some malt, and so. That used to be what homebrewing and even what pro-brewing was to an extent. Yeah. Where did you even get yeast? Was it, was, when did White Labs open? Was that even a thing? Like, Yeah. Um, how did you even get yeast? You know, I don't know. The local bakery? Maybe. Oh. Right. That's interesting. I'm, I'm sure like if you were getting kits, yeah. they would have some Try yeast of, probably. Yeah. That's probably what it was, mostly yeah. dry yeast, because yeah. you, there were no homebrew stores, or there was like one, right, and in San Francisco, right, and you didn't have, <laughs> like, yeah, and you didn't have your choice of yeah. like three yeast yeah. companies with super, yeah. with super fresh pitches, um, but so as a like as a judge, both like in a structured setting and just in life, when I'm tasting beer, the problems now are like are almost always directly linked to fermentation problems. Oh yeah. And it's almost always too going to be related to pulling the beer off the yeast too soon, mm -hmm. not letting, like trying to rush your fermentation. You can taste a rushed fermentation. Mm -hmm. And so with with that, and, I, and we'll, we'll talk more about some of the off flavors that can be caused by that, but I've noticed in the past few years of judging that it is the problems have gone from you've got like cheesy hops or you have chlorophenolic water it's almost all if I'm going to ding a beer is because the fermentation wasn't correct. And really that's the last frontier for brewers where you have control because mm -hmm. now you've got good quality ingredients. So that's within your control to buy and store hops and malt properly. And now it's just in your control to, conf you know, your fermentation. Yeah. And so that's where most issues are going to Assuming arise. everything is sanitized properly. Yes. Because that is another area. But fermentation... I, I, is I had that recently in... Uh, judging a uh, competition where that like that was the feedback that I said was I'm you've got a bread infection yeah. somewhere sorry oh, and it's rough but that's exactly I mean that's that's what it was you yeah know, you tasted it and it was like this this beer is not supposed to have bread in it yeah and again like half Star detective agency I'm guessing as a home brewer this this tells me that you somewhere along the way didn't clean something yeah and now you have a bread infection. Yeah, and that's a bigger problem. Yeah, exactly. Than just this one batch. And that, that <laughs> truly is like burn down your house, move away, start a new life. Because if you get, yeah, a, bread, if you get a bread infection, you're probably not going to be able to get rid of it. Just make bread beer forever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of different, um, you know, now that you have all this access to really great yeast and all these options, you I mean, gosh, there's more types of yeast out there than I have time to brew beer. Mm -hmm. And... um. So you really, you know, each yeast supplier does supply some notes about this mm -hmm. type of yeast, like use for this style, use it within this temperature range yeah. for term for fermentation, use this much for specific gravity. Right. Alcohol tolerance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it is really beer dependent because if you are brewing a big 
barley wine versus, you know, a session pale ale, you need more yeast, mm -hmm. you need more oxygen, you're going to have more sugars in there, so you need more of everything else to get the job done. Right. So you have to know that. Right. And then um, also, like, different yeast like different temperatures, mm -hmm. and there is a difference between 68 and 69. Yeah. And there is a difference between 69 and 70, and a lot of times when you're homebrewing and you're just using your, you know, basement for temp control, you want to make an IPA, like, it's fine. If you want to make a saison, it's fine. Like, it might take longer. Right. But, or you can keep it upstairs. But, like, don't, like, wrap your head around, like, oh, my God, my beer is going to taste awful. Like, you, c it's really hard to make the same beer twice for that reason mm -hmm. because yeast is so temperamental with temperature change, especially in that first couple of days of primary fermentation. Right. Um, but, you know, if you can control it, it's, kind of, it's interesting. Like, I like to uh, give it first couple of days in primary or like a 68, for example, if I'm doing mm -hmm. IPA, and then step it up one degree per day. And it just kind of helps get to that diacetyl rest faster without right. excreting any extra esters. And that's cool. Like, if you can't do that, it's fine. Right. You know? Um, right. But are Belgians or Saisons or styles like that typically like a little bit higher than, like, your California ale string, like right. your workhorse um, you know, we're talking about the difference of like 74 to 68 degrees. Right. And I did that recently with, um, I made a smoked beer. Oh my God, it turned out so good, but it is an applewood smoked malt and nice. the smoke is really delicate on it. And you can taste actually a lot of the apple That's wood nice. in it. And I knew that I wanted to get, I wanted a yeast strain that had a lot of those same kind of apple esters to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of like you know, apple and pear. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go with an English ale yeast because that's going to give, give me those flavors. And I also fermented it higher than I normally would mm -hmm. because I was trying to get more of those ester yeah. flavors to pick up that really delicate applewood flavor from the smoked malt. Yeah. And mwah, chef's kiss. It is <laughs> so good. You would not believe it. I should have brought some for you to taste. Yeah. 90% smoked malt. Wow. 10% roasted oat. And Rachel will always ask me about smoked beers. I do, because I they, get nervous much, about how, overdoing it. <laughs> how much smoked malt? And I'll be like, 15%. She's like, no, 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 not Jen smoked malt. <laughs> I have to clarify. People? I have to clarify. Yeah, and I'm like, 15%. <laughs> like, if it's me, I would say 20, 25%. I'm like, okay, um, okay. But yeah, uh, and the first time I'd used the smoked malt, again, troubleshooting, the reason why I went for 90%, which usually even for like a Rauk beer, you're using like 20% yeah, smoked beer. Yeah, that's big. But I had made a Dunkelweizen and... And had used, I think, 20%, and you couldn't really taste the smoke. I guess enough. you had some darker malts that probably, like, yeah. covered up a little bit. Yeah. And it's and not like a Grotsky. Right. You know. Grigitsky. Grigitsky. But you couldn't, there wasn't enough pronounced smoked malt character to know that it was supposed to be there, if that makes sense. Like sure. It almost, I thought it was good, but and I also then, knew what was in it. Yeah, and then that could be determined as a phenolic off flavor. Exactly. And that's not good. Exactly. I did enter it as a smoked beer, but it got dinged for not, not having enough, enough smoke. smoke. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's something as, you know, as you're getting control of your fermentation temperatures that you can kind of factor those in of what, what kind of, yeah. do you want more esters and phenols? If so, then play with your temperature and ferment it higher. And like a lot of times we'll, for just a normal strain, like or for any strain, really, we'll knock out a few degrees lower. When I say knock out, I mean, we'll, cause we, we didn't really cover, but when we, you know, when you go from boil to putting the beer in the fermenter, you mm -hmm. have to chill it. 
Um, so we'll knock it out that chilling temperature, a few degrees lower than our fermentation yes. temperature and then set. So we'll knock it out like 65. We'll set the tank for 68. And then that is giving your yeast time to get going. Mm-hmm. If you knock out your wort at 75 degrees and then you pitch your yeast and then you tell your tank to cool down to 68, you're telling your yeast to not go. You're yes. telling it to wait. And then wait till I get cold, and then you can start doing your thing. Right. Well, and, and that's going to make goes, a lag. Well, yeah, and one of the reasons also why I uh, will knock out lower is because as soon as that fermentation starts, that's going to be bumping up your temperature. Exactly. So it's moving around. It's creating heat. Right. And so if you think that your temp is at 68, the internal temperature of your wort is probably going to be like 70, yeah. 72 yeah. because of that heat being generated by the yeast. And exactly. so it's always better i think to knock out aim to knock out at least a degree or two lower yes. because if you're using an ale yeast you're you're not going to knock out so low that you're going to kill all the yeast when you pitch it no but if if but if you do are wondering why is it taking so long to start that could be why mm-hmm. did you what, what was your knockout temp also you know oxygen plays a factor but um what was my point um <laughs> sorry i got distracted with the oxygen but yeah, so I, no, oxygen's a real thing. Also, that point uh, of oxygen, if you, let's say you are, okay, lag, we're past lag phase. Like, this mm-hmm. should have started. Um, why is this not starting? Like, it's dropped one point, and like, that's about it, or two points, whatever. Maybe you need more oxygen. Right. If you can do that, if you can add more oxygen, which you should be able to, like, if you're just shaking it around or something, mm-hmm. um, or oxygen stone. But if, if you're... Gravity is more than 50% attenuated, you can add more oxygen. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so even if even if it's dropped, like, five points, like, I know it's against, like, your f- brewer feeling, gut feeling to add mm-hmm. oxygen after brew day, but it's going to be okay. It's <laughs> not going to oxygenate it. It will st- hopefully kick up fermentation. Right. Or if that's not the problem, then maybe turning up your temp on the tank a couple degrees or bringing your beer up from the basement to your living room right. will increase that temperature a little bit, get that yeast flowing. So it could be a temperature thing um, and causing a lag phase could be lack of oxygen. If you know that your growth phase will never start. So you'll right. know, but right. I am um, recently on, on a Facebook thread, somebody in one of my homebrew clubs had asked, he was brewing a scotch ale and he said, you know, it's dropped, this much but it was you know it was supposed to end up at like 10 15 and right now it's at 10 30 and it hasn't moved what's what's the problem and i said you know the scottish yeast is a very high flocculator so it's yeah. probably already fallen out of suspension yes that's a and good point he said you know i don't like what then what do i do and then you know he was like oh well i googled it and it said that i can add oxygen to it and i was like you know before you open your fermenter and because anytime you have to open your fermenter um, as homebrewers, you know, so you're taking that the oh, blow yeah. off off of the top, you run the risk of introducing lactobacillus, yeah. um, anything else that's floating around. So that's a very easy way to get an infection yeah. or to oxidize your beer. And I said, before you, before you do that, just shake your carboy mm-hmm. and rouse that yeast back exactly. up into suspension and see if that kicks it off. And if it still doesn't kick off, then think about how you can add oxygen to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I was like, if, if you're aiming for within the guidelines, you're within the guidelines yeah. right now. Like you're, 
you wanted an 8% beer right now, you're at about a 6.5%. It's going to be really, it's going to be quite a bit sweeter, but it's a scotch ale. So that's not going to necessarily be a fault to have a lot of those residual sugars left in it. But yeah, I was like, just. It depends on your recipe too. Like your, yeah. your recipe might say you'll end at, I, I think my Wee Heavy, my recipe says I'll end at 1028. I ended at 1025. Yeah. And that's like the highest for me. It did not feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird when that. Because I put that, it into yeah. the barrel and I was like, uh, I mean, past VDK, past everything. I was yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, a lot of times. It also it started seems, at 1095. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, if it seems like it's, it's kind of stuck or it's stopped. It the, could be finished. Yeah, you never it, know. It could but, be, but yeah, if you just probably know. rouse it yeah. and he said, oh yeah, I shook the carboy and like immediately it started yeah. bubbling again. And that's the thing too, a pilot where we're using closed systems, closed fermenters. So uh, yeah, like I can easily do all this without opening my fermenter. Yes. But if you are at home or even if you do need to open your fermenter at the top, if you're, if you have a little CO2 tank, if you're able to, when you open that fermenter, if you just kind of let a uh, bed of CO2 kind of lay on top of it, mm-hmm. you'll prevent things from bouncing into it. So right. if you need to, if you want to dry hop, if there's something you need to do, that is an extra safety step. Yeah. If you're if you're quick and you're sanitary, you'll probably be fine. Yes. But if you, if you do really want to go the extra mile, go for it. Right. Yeah, you really can't sanitize I guess if much. you're trying to add f- oxygen on the top of your fermenter and then putting CO2 might... Oh, go against what you're trying to yeah. do but generally before if yeah if you're a home brewer before if you're using a carboy so like right <laughs> now we have um one of the speedle fermenters that has the um the you know what i'm talking about the little it's not the valve but it has the, uh, the like the inlet at the Wait, bottom do of the, the hand tank. motion again <laughs> no it lets him see <laughs> <laughs> i try to figure out for the hand motion i can't rachel's like your fermenter does what <laughs> um but it's got the little faucet at the bottom. So if we wanted to add oxygen, we could yeah. just hook the tube up to that. And then we're adding yeah. it from the bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I think one of the things, the biggest things when we're talking about fermentation again, is what sorts of off, off flavors can occur if you're not using a healthy yeast strain or if you're rushing your fermentation. Like I yeah. said, I, I've written that on so many score sheets. Yeah. It says the, you just the recipe it? is there. Yeah. This this is I can taste the underlying beer. It's really good, but you you pulled it off the yeast too soon to get it to the competition. There's also a, th- a lot of things like it's an old school thing to pull your beer off into a secondary vessel. Yes, and I think a lot of home brewers are getting away from that. But I still have yes. conversations about like you don't need to do that. I did that when we first started brewing, and um, we. Yeah, st- same so thing, like, because you hear about primary and secondary, yeah. and so you transfer like, it off the it? yeast into your secondary fermenter. But the reason why you would do that, again, back in the old days when old ingredients days. were not good, yeah, you had to. And But now, like, the quality of the yeast is so much better yeah. that it's fine to let the beer sit on it. Yeah, it's better. It's better to let the beer sit on it. Just go ahead and ditch your secondary vessel. Dry mm-hmm. hop, add coffee beans, do whatever all in the fermenter, because... When you drop those dry hops in there, now you're all of a sudden you've getting this yeast back in suspension. It's just mm-hmm. what happens when you drop something into the fermenter. Right. So now it's okay, let me work a little bit more. And so it's gonna, you know, there's a precursor to diacetyl that's excreted from the yeast cell, mm-hmm. acetolactate. Alpha acetolactate. Alpha acetolactate. See, <laughs> after, after. She's got my back. But uh, so when that 
and oxidizes, when that excretes out of the yeast cell, it oxidizes, turns into diacetyl. The yeast will clean that diacetyl back up if you give it time. Right. So that happens when we like, like a lot of times I'll brew my IPA, I'll let it pass VDK, mostly maybe, if not all the way, because mm-hmm. I know it's going to happen again. Right. And then I dry hop and then I let that all clean up. And then I also let leave my fermenter open. When I say leave open, I mean the airlock or uh, the side arm. I don't put it under pressure mm-hmm. i leave the the something open so the extra you know f- everything can off gas everyone can leave the fermenter it's not right. getting stuck back into the beer right which yeah it's the same kind of um thing this is going back to the last episode that would have been a good thing but we'll just say now um again better problems when we first started brewing uh, we were in chicago and we would brew on our back porch and if it, you know, whenever we're brewing, we're like, we're outside and it's not covered. And so for a while we were leaving our boil covered so nothing would get in it. Yeah. And then ah. we realized you shouldn't do that yeah. because as the boil is going, the DMS is volatilizing out of the yeah. boil. And if you have your boil covered, it just, all that condensate just, just drips right. right back in. Yeah. Um, so... If you need that, to, if you need to get idea. your wort to a boil, it's cool. Cover it. Leave a little. I always leave a little crack. Like yeah. it will help. But when you get close to that boil, take it off because it's very important for that DME to release. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what we ended up doing was we got one of those. Um, it's like the screen that you use to like fry bacon or something, but it's like yeah, a really yeah, yeah. fine mesh. Yeah, yeah. That we could put over the top, so all of the steam could get could out. Come, could, yeah, uh, yeah. So all of that would volatilize off, but nothing could get in. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that's boil stuff. But with the, the fermentation, when I'm telling people about fermentation, it's like it's a really good guest to have at your house party because, like, they'll show up, they'll rage with you, and <laughs> if you give them enough time, they'll clean up their mess before they leave, right? <laughs> and that's that's what yeast does. Like, it shows up, it parties, and it, you know, like, farts a bunch of alcohol and CO2, yeah. And if you give it enough time, it will clean up yeah. things like diacetyl. And that also gives uh, things like acetaldehyde is another yes. huge, huge one. I would say that to me is far more common now than yeah. getting diacetyl. These are, the, these are the most two common off flavors you get from incomplete fermentation. Yes. You get and them from other things too. Right. But from incomplete fermentation, right. these are the most common. Right. And technically acetaldehyde is present in all beers. Yeah. But it's whether it's at a detectable level or not. Yeah. And it's the last step of right. before alcohol conversion of alcohol conversion before right. it gets to ethanol. Right. Which is also why when you ingest alcohol, you ingest that ethanol and it oxidizes to acetaldehyde. And so like if you've ever woken up with that really sour mouth mm-hmm. feel from drinking too much, that's actually acetaldehyde that yeah. you're tasting. Your body converts your ethanol back into acetaldehyde. Right. You're right. welcome. Right. Yes. And acetaldehyde. <laughs> and that's, that's my worst off flavor. That's the one I have the hardest time picking up on yeah. sensory n- panels and everything. Everyone has their worst. Yeah. Mine is DMS. Yeah. There are a couple people out there that are super tasters. I would love to be a super taster for like a day. Probably my master's cicerone test. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like it'd be kind of awful for the, like the things that you hate. Right. You really hate. But super tasters, they can like, they're not very common. They're just people that can experience every flavor. Right. Or like 99% or something crazy more than right. a normal person can. Right, right. They can taste everything to a degree. So when they like it, they like it. But if they hate it, yeah. they might re- it might be awful. Yeah. You know? I remember reading, um, or maybe it was there was a podcast talking about a guy who was a super taster and 
Um, and you can be a super taster for different things. Yeah. You know, like different. That makes sense. He um, had to do like the amount of salt on french fries was what he was testing and he said like by the end of the day his entire mouth was raw just from e- so oh much God. salt like it's you know um so maybe you don't want to be a super taster no. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> um but that you know um i think we talked about this last time which we keep saying last time like you guys heard this but you didn't but this was the conversation we had that we thought was being recorded <laughs> um, in in the movie clerks yeah. They talk about the milkmaids. So the people who go in and they like pull out all the cartons of milk to find the like the the last like best buy date. <laughs> I milkmaid the yeast at every oh, store I go man. into. So like I go in and I'm like, no, 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 this stuff in the front, forget you. Yeah. I go straight to the back and start looking at the dates on the ones in the back. Yep. Because, you know, you know, it's first in first out so all of the older stuff is in the front it's the same thing like if i go to buy produce i like reach for the stuff in the back um so that's that's a really important thing to make sure that you're doing is checking that best buy date or the manufacturer date on your yeast yeah and getting the freshest one possible Mm -hmm. there's so many factors hopefully that homebrew store has kept the yeast cold Mm -hmm. you know like hopefully it's not too cold in the freezer or anything right so you know there's a lot of different uh controls that you can't really or a lot of variables that you yeah. can't always control but most of it is just leave it leave your yeast leaving alone. it alone yeah <laughs> leave it alone let us do its thing you're not gonna like reach autolysis like on a homebrew scale i mean i at pilot have more of a chance of reaching that than you can do on a homebrew scale right. because so that's yeast death yeah um so it your yeast will eventually die so yeast doesn't care about your beer it right. cares about surviving. Right. <laughs> it doesn't care about you making an IPA or in Belgian. Right. Yeah, it's like, doesn't give a fuck. today, yeah, I'm a high tolerance <laughs> It's yeast. just like, no, I want to survive. So t- when it survives, it eats your sugars and it produces CO2, it produces ethanol, and it produces more yeast. They rep- This is how they reproduce. This is how they survive. Mm-hmm. So um, eventually, like Jen said, they come, they party, they die down, and then if you long it, leave it long enough, they'll clean up after themselves and... And they leave because we take it off. But they, um, what was my point? <laughs> Sorry, getting distracted. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaving for vacation after this. I'm a little, yeah, you know, that's, that's short-timer's true. disease. I'm making scotch eggs. but uh, <laughs> Vegetarian and vegan. <laughs> but it needs, um, you know, it, 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 so eventually it's used up all the nutrients it can to survive. Mm-hmm. And it goes into a dormant dormant stage and then you can like harvest it reuse it right eventually it will die if you leave it on there long enough it just it will die it's just getting old it is a bigger issue for um commercial brewers exactly you have the conicals and that weight yeah the hydrostatic pressure is a real thing right but you're making five gallons ten gallons you could probably leave that yeast on there for four months to be fine right now like left hand or 480 barrel fermenters that no you can't leave the beer on there for four months it will it will kill the yeast. Right. The pressure is so intense. It's putting extra. I mean, could you imagine if 480 barrels of beer were sitting on top of you? <laughs> you would die. <laughs> so works the same. There you go. Yes. But don't worry about it if you're a home brewer. Like if you're like, oh, but it's been six weeks. It's fine. If you do want to do like a quick, easy test to see if your beer is cleaned up. We do it with all the beers at Pilot. It's called a VDK, VDK test. Um, I take a small little sample of the beer when I mm-hmm. think my beer is ready, when I think it's all done. 
I filter it through a coffee filter. I have one sample that I don't do anything to except filter. And then I have another sample that I heat up in a little hot water bath for about 15 minutes at 150 degrees. Chill it back down just enough so I can taste it. And then I compare the two samples. And heating it up stresses out the yeast. It will bring out that diacetyl. Right. Um, if you can taste your diacetyl in your cold sample, you're definitely not ready. Right. Well, an alpha acetolactate also is very slow to convert to diacetyl. So that's why when you're heating it up, you're converting, you're forcing that to convert, which yes. is why you can bottle something. And that's what, that's what we're talking about with the VDK. You can bottle or keg something that tastes totally fine. Exactly. But then later, because the cold sample be is tasting fine to you. Right. So a lot of times if the beer's almost there, but not quite ready, your cold mm-hmm. sample will taste fine, but your hot sample has a little slickness, mm-hmm. a little something, um, or, or a lot of diacetyl, whatever it might be. And just, just leave it alone. Just give it more time. Right. And do that test again tomorrow or the next day or whatever. But don't crash your beer. Don't finish it. Don't pull the yeast off until that test passes. It only costs you a coffee filter. Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> it's really not hard. Come to Pilot. I'll, I mean, I'll show you if you need to be shown. Google yeah. it. YouTube video. Yeah. And that's, like, that's happened. Um, save your beer. Yeah. That, that's happened to us before. One of my first batches at Pilot, like it. Yeah, that was my fermenter. bad. It tasted fine, and then it was on. I think I know, rushed it, and I skipped a VDK or something, and yeah, I, it was totally my bad. No, it we was. had to dump it. She, she ruined my life. We did. We did rebrew it on a big scale. Yes. Like a year later. Yes, but that's you know a lot of doing these this troubleshooting is being a detective, and mm-hmm. a lot of it, particularly on a homebrew scale, is going. You're going to be able to trace it back to. Um, to your fermentation, just just generally, again, like that's the thing that's the easiest now to kind of not get dialed yeah. in all the way. Um, but if it's you know if it's something that's occurring to you a lot, uh, then I always I always encourage people to enter homebrew competitions yeah. because they're blind. And I I for one, when I'm giving when I'm filling out a score sheet. That you know, they tell you you should put for like for every few points you deduct, you need to put a reason why. Yeah, and uh, you know, so a lot of times on my score sheets, I'll say like, this you're you're using the wrong hop in this, or this I get some acetaldehyde, I get mm-hmm. acetone. You for you started your fermentation too high, so just make sure you're controlling your temp. And as it, much as it's you a can. real thing. Like if you bring me your homebrew, I will try it. I'll tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. But like. I'm also probably like working and I'll pop it. And, but when I'm sitting down and judging beer, I am in the zone. Yes. And I'm just writing notes and I'm not in front of you. I'm not like thinking and I don't care. Like I'll tell you the truth, but mm-hmm. you'll get a better truth from me if I write it down. Exactly. But. And I, and I've had people before who just like randomly, I had somebody who had like DM'd me on Instagram or something about something unrelated and said, Oh, by the way, you scored one of my beers. Oh yeah, and you're like, oh, was shit. Like, that's the other thing too. You got to yeah. put your like. But name that's down. also why, yeah, <laughs> that's also why you're like, you're like uh, why you're nice about it, and you give constructive feedback. Um, and I know I've gotten score sheets back before, and I've judged with people before who will just write like one word. Yeah, it's bullshit. And yeah, and you know, you paid money to enter this beer. You spend a lot of time. Right. You want feedback. Right. Which is, yeah, part of the reason why I'm, like, I'm running out of line space trying to give you feedback and give you the complete impression mm-hmm. of what I think about your beer. But I have had people say, oh, by the way, you judged one of my beers. And, yeah. like, you, most of the time is thank you for your feedback. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's so much more troubleshooting than we've covered in this fermentation episode. It's a little short uh, just because, you know, 
we're in shared podcast studio and we're right. got to get out. <laughs> got to get out. And Jen lives in Atlanta and we, this is special times. Okay. It we is. can get together. Yes. Um, but yeah, if there, you know, if there's something else that troubleshooting wise, we didn't cover, or you've gotten feedback on something like on a score sheet, something like that, um, feel free to reach out to us. We're falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. You can also DM us on at Facebook and Instagram. We're falsebottomgirls. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to help. We have people who have reached out before and asked for resources or whatever. Um, we're here for you guys to give you that. And if, you know, if there's enough, if we s- somehow skipped, like, I know Rachel and I both have a lot of stories about times that we fucked up our brew dates and beers. So oh, man. We can definitely um, a lot of beers. Fill, fill probably another several episodes yeah. with troubleshooting. Um, but that will be it for us today. Yeah. And our next episode, I believe, is going to be uh, defining some of the brewing terms. So we've tried that to do... That we said in all this episode right yeah so we we, yeah so we'll tell you what we mean now right right I think we we generally do a a good job of stopping and backing up and saying wait just if you're you know and if we didn't just google it yeah (laughs) we'll hit you next time and uh yeah reach out to us with um what sorts of accents you would like to hear Rachel try to read definitions in just gonna speak in fermentation Just remember, that's how you know if how well what your is, beer's doing. Um, what is that thing that uh, people have? It's like when you're chewing in a microphone. Like there's there are people oh, somewhere. Like <laughs> I'll just edit all this out. No, it's <laughs> the best part. Just remember, everyone, listen to your fermentation. Okay. And that's the end. Good, it's perfect. Dude. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round.